Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano. We appreciate you tuning in. We also want to thank our wonderful producer, Joe Hale. And thank you all for listening, as I said. Steve, what's going on? Well, actually, uh, it's been a very interesting week. Um, last weekend, I had the kind of the pleasure of attending the uh, Italian Sons and Daughters of America yeah. annual conference, or actually biannual conference here in Pittsburgh. Got to see a lot of folks. Um, met uh, some folks that I'd known online. Philly so I, Rich. Philly Rich. Uh, which I feel bad because I wanted to meet uh, him. i got to give a shout out to Philly Rich because i tell you what, when we, we were there, this is, you know, it's fun. Rich, I'm giving you a shout out here. So he is on, you know, he's out of Philadelphia. He's over in Columbus. And he is was explaining to me he's on one of their cyber lodges, a virtual lodge. And, um, but when he comes there, he knows, like, oh, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so. I'm like, I'm thinking... Rich, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I don't even know these people. And he knows these people. He goes, this guy's from New Orleans. And it was just fantastic. I mean, that guy really knows a lot. of. He's really plugged in to the community. Just a good guy. You know, introduced me a few, few people. It was uh, it was a nice weekend overall. Um, good shout-out to the ISDA. They did throw a very good nice turnout. Uh, very good con- uh, turnout. I think almost all of the delegates showed up because that's kind of unusual. So when no, you have a conference. I, I mean, like. Not fans, you know, people. Off oh the yeah, street. yeah. Well, no, because it's it's a, it's a it's a conference that they have to have their delegates show up because it's like oh. an elections and oh, oh, official oh. board business. <clears throat> the way it works is it's a biannual convention where they do like elections and they have all the different lodges from all over the country coming in. They'll vote to approve new lodges, like whatever okay. they're going on. So you know, approving budgets, et cetera, et cetera. It's like kind of a business meeting for the entire organization. So the interesting thing though is that I've, I belong to other social organizations. It's very similar. You know, there's there's members and then there's delegates that actually vote on everything. Not on all organizations, not all members can vote on everything. They can vote locally, but they necessarily can't vote nationally. So you send delegates. So when I said almost all the delegates show up to something like this, that's a big deal because that means you have everybody that says we're going to send a body there. That body actually showed up. Mm. So not just coming from Pittsburgh, they're coming from all over the place. So it was a, it was a really good turnout, really good event, and actually. Um, you know, I was kind of glad I went. First time I ever okay. went, so I enjoyed it a lot. Um, other than that, you know what? I know that uh, Bloomfield, I think, had their Italian days. I did not get down there. I didn't I, either this year. I, I, it was <clears> funny. <throat> I, I saw a few, uh, I'll just say some joking comments on Facebook. You know, we've talked about this. In fact, I talked about this with Armin last week. And we talked about, you know, is Bloomfield still Pittsburgh's little Italy? Mm-hmm. And there were some very funny comments on Facebook about, you know, I can go to the Italian days and buy new windows, for example. It's like, that's, you know. It just as long means- as it's an Italian manufacturer, <laughs> exactly. that's all that matters. So you're just like, all right, you know, I, I'll accept that it's Italian days. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, I think, Frankie, we're going to talk about this with our guest here in a little okay. bit. But I think what we're going to have to find out is, you know, what does it mean to be Italian-American and what if you believe it, if you're like, oh, I'm very proud of being Italian American, you know, the, what do you what do you do, and what what does that mean? What you should you do about it? Is it just something you just say? You know, is there something you should do with that? And that is, I'm going to lead into our next guest, which is Frankie D. And uh, for the folks that missed it, he was very kind. He had me on his uh, show a few weeks back. It's uh, Keeping It Real with Frankie D. Wonderful man out of Chicago. Heck of a bio. You can go out there and read his bio. But a couple of things. Um, Frankie is born and raised in Chicago. He's 100% Italian. His wife is from Calabria. We're going to talk more about that because I want to know where in Calabria. You know, he's got a ton of awards, and I'm not going to read them to you because I'm going to ask him about a few of the, the awards. And he's obviously very active in the community. He's very active with different social organizations. And, again, he has a podcast, and he's introduced or interviewed, excuse me, some very interesting people. And, again, I want to talk about them 
versus just reading his resume to you. So, Frankie, welcome. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Like I always say, talking Italian America, that's my favorite subject in the whole wide world. <laughs> well, that makes two of us, or three of us. Three of us. Well, you know what, Frank, since you mentioned that, why? Why do well, you enjoy I that mean, so much? Well, it's my identity, and it always has been. It's, it's everything for me. And, you know, your previous um, question about what does it mean to be it and to be proud of it, that's a, uh, it, it's a little complicated of a thing because I really believe lots of people are very proud of it, but I wish in a perfect world, mind you, that perhaps they would maybe do a little more to, um, to fulfill it. Well you know said. what I'm saying? Yeah, to be right. the best Italian American they could be. Now, does that mean be a good American that just happens to be Italian, or is there something? No. And we're kind of jumping right in. Or is there something that's no, unique about an Italian American? I think it's trying to be um, definitely be a good American, always be a good American. Right. But I think um, being a good Italian American is trying um, to go deeper into it. You know, if you if you don't know the language. Maybe try to learn a little bit of it. If you don't know cultural things, try to pick up on it. Try to be the best you could be. Like I say, if you know you were a baseball player and you want to be the best, you take grounders, you go to the batting cages, right? Well, try to be a better Italian-American. That's right. And I, you know, I'm not trying to ask too much of people, but if you're so proud of it, you're so into it, well, then I would think you'd want to dig deeper into it. When I was a kid, Frank, my dad would watch. Obviously, he talked about Marciano and Graziano and DiMaggio and so on and so forth. But we would watch a TV show, and at the end of it, they would have the producers. And if it was an Italian guy, oh, look, there's an Italian guy. Look, there's a director, Italian guy. And my mom, I, I witnessed this in 69. I was four and a half, five years old when Nino Benvenuti fought Emil Griffin. And I'd never seen my mom behave that way. My mom was just came over in 62, late six, no, 63. But um, she was very passionate about Nino Benvenuti. But uh, is that gone, that kind of passion? Not just rooting for a guy, but really looking for that Italian producer. And and it's not anti-anything, obviously. It's pro. We are always talking about pro. Never be anti-anything. But pro, uh, do you think that is gone anymore? I think it's it's gone a little bit. I just think that I always chalk it up to maybe three main things. Number one, People don't come here from Italy like they used to. Right, the immigration right. has just gone down tremendously. Number two, neighborhoods. Those real Italian neighborhoods, well, we both, we all know. That's sure. just a thing of the past. And, you know, as time goes by and, you know, there's intermarriage and, you know, then, the, you know, you get to a point where maybe somebody it's trickled down to they're like 12% Italian. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's not that there's anything wrong with that, but they've got 88 percent something else so you know what i mean it's it's uh it's just a way of of reality of today of 2023 doesn't mean we're all gone doesn't mean that you know our ethnic group is is it's depleted a little i mean definitely but there's a lot of positive things there's things we could do there's things we are doing your show is an example i i would like to think my podcast is an example sure. um you know we're trying to to maybe these people don't know why so much they're proud, and we're trying to bring that to them. That's the way I look at it. You know, another you thing, know? though, that just hit me when when Steve was talking, the older Italians, they lived 
over there. They lived through whatever it is they lived through, the negativity um, or the Ellis Island experience, whereas someone's, you know, the younger generation, they, it was all hearsay and they learned it. So maybe there's not as much of a passion or appreciation. They appreciate it, but maybe not as much as the ones who actually had their hands in the soil, the ones, the ones who actually went through uh, what they went through. Do you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. That's a, that's a very valid point. And, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, we have this youth and we're trying to affect the youth because every club, organization, society, the main problem is they don't have young people involved. They don't have interest. And I just think that the best way, the quickest way the, the, is to send our youth to Italy. We, I wish we had more and more organized trips to send that 18 to 25 year old to Italy, because to me, that's worth more than a thousand festivals and sausage sandwiches <laughs> right, and, right. you know, Sopranos episodes. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. You know, so I wish we did a better job of that. And if you really want to go back to decades, we should have had an Italian school on the Saturdays, like the Greeks do, did that's and right. do like the other ethnics, the Polish do in Chicago. Um, Every Greek you talk to, they hated going them when they were a kid, but they all now as adults know the language, the history, the culture, the religion. And we didn't have that. And that really, you know, you didn't see it then, but I think you see it now. The effect of it, it's a negative effect of it. So. And, and you know, Frank, that's exactly why, again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the, the school here in Pittsburgh. It's the nonprofit that supports the show, the Scuola d'Italia, Galileo, Galileo, because they're trying to do that. They're trying to immerse the kids when they're young into not just the language, but the culture. And that's why they're bringing yeah. over Italians from Italy. Because another issue, though, becomes, you know, Claudio said something very, very interesting. Because when these people came over here 100 years ago, they weren't educated. They were probably poor. And you said something else. You said it was an experience. I've got to get on the boat, and I've got to sail over here. Maybe it takes a month. I get over. i got to go through Ellis Island. And by the way, people were turned back. Again, people keep forgetting that somehow the Europeans are just allowed to come into the country, but nobody else can come in. No, they were turned away too. So now you make it through there. You have, it's almost like military. Guys that go off to, to, go off to you know, combat, it's the same thing. They've got, they've got something that, an experience that connects them. So now they're, you know, the old band of brothers type mentality. Well, it's the same way with those communities back then. They came from the old place. They all know they went through the boat. They all are on the boat. They all went through Ellis Island. They all, you know, they all come from poor families. You know, they said goodbye to mama, pop, whatever. They have almost like they're, they're bonded because of the negativity. Right. Their kids are close enough that they taught them. But now you start talking grandkids. Now, now we're in the great, great, you know, great-grandkids, great-great-grandkids. And that is so far removed, they have no connection with the negative experiences. They have no idea what it would have been like to be on a boat. They have no idea what it would have been like to process through Ellis Island at that time. They have no idea what it would have been like to live in a town that was dirt poor, that's on, you know, like, you know, you're somewhere on the Malfi Coast, it's beautiful, but yet you're leaving because <laughs> there's nothing here. The parts, right? So, right, so they have no connection there. So, Frankie, I guess uh, I want to kind of go back a little bit on you. You know, you, you are proud to be Italian. We're, you're born in Chicago, though. Did your family immigrate here? Is that where your strong connection came from? Or Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, I also, okay, so I'm from, born in Chicago. We always lived in a, in a very predominantly Italian area. 
So it, for me, it was just a normal part of life every day. And everybody we like associated, you know, like my barber, or the guy who got taxes, the guy who, uh, the doctor, the dentist. I mean, literally everybody was Italian. So it just was part of my everyday life. And I was always very proud, like you were saying earlier, if, you know, you saw the guy, the football player, or you saw the, the actor, or you saw the newscaster, and they had that Italian name, and I felt a certain thing. And, um, you know, I just kind of kept going with it. My wife was born in Italy. In fact, I, you know, ironically, they came in the 70s, and they came on a boat. They came here on a boat in the 70s from Italy to move here. Um, and... There, the last big, I think, immigration in Chicago was in the 70s, and there was a lot of people, a lot of Southern Italians that moved here. Uh, but even that, that was 50 years ago. So now you talk about their, their grandparents. Uh, some of them right. might even be great-grandparents by now. But I don't want to be negative because I know your show's about positivity. Cause I know well, no, but truth is what the truth is. Yeah. Well, you know, Frank, a couple, couple things. You're right. In, in Pittsburgh, I would say 70 three okay I'll, I'll stretch it a little bit 71 for sure 72 73 was the last influx uh, of Italians but um, another thing you mentioned your wife is from Calabria that's where my family's from yeah. my mom was from Nocera Terinez and my dad was from Falero now what part was your you know Catanzaro uh, that that area what what where was your wife from so she's from the province of Cosenza Cosenza sure, she sure. Is from a very small small town called Rovella and it's in the comune of Zumpano. Okay. That's yeah, not too far uh, from us. Yes. Yes. It's a very small town up in the mountains. But, you know, and beautiful, like all of Italy is. It's just beautiful. I, I talk so to my you. aunt and uncle at least once a week on Zoom or on the phone. Unfortunately, I talked to my aunt yesterday who's from Milano. Her, her mom passed away. But it's funny, you know, we talk about dialects. I can speak to my relatives in Calabria easily no problem her I, if she says a thousand words I get about 600 and then oh. she get, she understands most of mine but uh, so are the dialects that your wife is, is are, does she do the old Calabresa dialect is she did she adapt to the new one what did she do well I mean she can speak in the dialect perfectly okay yeah uh, but she also speaks Italian <laughs> it's two different languages people i tell you for, for our listeners frank you can explain that but i think a lot of people don't understand we're calling dialects it's not right those are languages yeah. and they're they're not quite dialects they're languages because this goes all the way back you know when when italy was a bunch of states and it wasn't until the mid 1800s where it became italy you know so i think a lot of people don't understand that frankie you got anything you want to add on that because i'm going to talk a little bit about some of the associations you belong to Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. You were you hit it on the head. They are they are definitely different languages, and some might be easier to pick up than others. Um, you know, uh, some of them are really different, but they're all part of the culture. They're all part of the regions. They're all part of our our, of our history. And and just as you don't want those things to die. No. Uh, yes, the, the national language is Italian, but the, these other languages and or dialects they're part of the tradition. They're part of the culture. So. And they're, they're and they're very special. You know what? They're, they're like I said. There are groups that are going around trying to record these languages before they basically become extinct, because some of these towns are so old, and the, and the, literally the people living there are so old 
there might be, you know, 500 people left in this town, and they're the only ones that'll speak a certain dialect. You know, they're still speaking um, old Greek in parts of Calabria. I think it was, um, was it Albanian? Um, you know, obviously the different uh, variations of Calabrian. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of languages spoken down there, and some of them have not changed, you know, in a thousand years. So it, it's an interesting project. Uh, Frankie, I want to kind of jump ahead a little bit. Um, you studied abroad. It says you, you took two study abroad programs. Let's talk about them. That was over in Italy, and what were you studying? So they were just basically um, through uh, universities in Chicago that, that had this opportunity to be in Italy. I mean, basically, you were taking the same classes you would take here, but just the fact that you were there, a study abroad program. And the first time I went to Italy, I was 19 in 1986, and it was, you know, it was like a drug. I, I was hooked. I was addicted. And from that trip, I had to get back. So I went to uh, – the first trip was actually based on a study abroad in Florence. Um, and then I went back like six months later to my big one that was through Loyola University in Chicago. They actually have a campus in Rome. And I stayed five months, and I just loved it. I mean, I, I really uh, just loved it. I, I was ready to stay there, actually. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I'm a big fan of sending our young to Italy because I think, for the most part, it's going to make such a major positive effect. And then from that, they will, they will dig deeper, and they will learn more, and they will become more involved in our Italian communities you know in our different cities so I, that's why i'm just a big fan of that let me ask you the flowers of italy club you got received an award for that can you explain yeah, what that was sort of kind of sure. <laughs> so that was the only time i was ever honored i'm gonna be honest with you and um well it's one I, more than me frankie so i'm, I'm well <laughs> <laughs> but, okay so i didn't want it but i accepted i mean it was an honor don't get me wrong it's, right. it's, a, it's an honor but i'm not that type of guy Right. I, I'm just not. I'm more low-key. And I accepted because I I felt like it would be an opportunity to kind of spread my message. Like I was going to be able to get up there and make a speech and try to hit on how all these things we've been talking about. And what happened? The, the, the day or the night of it was literally the beginning of COVID. Wow. And then <laughs> they pushed it back for like two weeks. And as you all, we all know, it kept getting worse. And then they pushed it back a couple months. And to be honest, it never actually happened. Mm. Which might have been a sign from God that it was meant <laughs> to be. So um, they're all great things. I'm not big for that. I don't like, you know, I want to honor others. I'm not worried about me. I don't, I don't do this for honors. I do this from my heart and my soul right. and my blood. And I really do you know, want our people to keep going forward. I also don't want to lose traditions. You talk about some of the, the things I'm involved with. I'm involved with the San Francesco di Paola, Festa della Familia, the Society of San Francesco di Paola, and here in Chicago. And San Francesco is the patron saint of Calabria. And we have a society, and we just did about two weeks ago, we celebrated our 42nd annual Festa della Familia, which is in honor of San Francesco di Paola. It is a weekend uh, event uh, culminating with a mass outside, mind you, under a pavilion at the Italian Cultural Center grounds. Uh, I'm talking a thousand people in mass. Hmm. After we do a procession and we had a bishop come and we had about eight priests on the on the altar and we had a 
we had a choir and it's just it's a hell of a thing and I'm, it's an honor to be a part of the society and god bless these people because these are traditions we cannot lose we have to keep these things going we have to stand up for our culture and our faith Did- we have to if we don't nobody's gonna well that's right if if it's not important to you it's not important to anyone else so you have to show that it's important to you by acting on it let me ask you were there a lot of younger people there what what did you think did you did you kind of get optimistic about it i'll tell you this society um and it may be a little unique we have a lot of younger people in it now it's the children of some of the older members but when i say younger um i would venture to say in the 30s which i mean for me that's young uh (laughs) I would say there's easily about 12 of them, some girls. And you know what? They brought it to another level uh, in the sense of one of them, he spruced up that web page, the website, beautiful. It's beautiful. Another young lady in her 30s has taken over the, the Facebook page and, you know, just brought it to a different level that maybe the old timers, myself included, you know, we don't know how to do those things. And those are great tools, and for the most part, they're free. And this is the way you communicate, you spread that word in those avenues, social media, websites. So it's wonderful to see these young people. There's, uh, there really is a tremendous devotion, I'm telling you. Uh, when you know, we had the society at the very end, we brought San Francesco back where, where the statue stays all year on the grounds of this Italia, where the Italian Cultural Center is, and you know the priest, he said some prayers, and, and somebody in our society starts, you know, Viva San Francesco, Viva San, and we repeat it. I mean, the energy in this room. I thought we were going to run through a brick wall. There was so much adrenaline going. It was wonderful. It was truly wonderful, and 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 like I say, it's an honor for me to be a part of it. And they asked me to be the like the MC of this, and you know, I'm the type. Absolutely, thank you. It's an honor. If you think I can help, I'm there. Right. I'm there. Well, you're not just there for emceeing. I mean, there for setting up tables and breaking down tables right. the whole nine yards, sweating with these people. Well, that's right. Working you with these people. Lead from the front, and that's how you do. It. You lead from the front yes. by getting involved, and you say, "I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty." When people see that. Especially when they see, and I'll say this like not in a negative way, but when they see somebody that's older that's been here a longer time that's willing to roll up their own, you know, their sleeves and say, you know what, I'm going to work needs to be done, I'm going to do it, and they think, well, he's been here a while and he's going to do it, so you know, I'm going to help him out, and so now you're getting involved. But I'll say something else. I wanted, I wanted to tack on because a lot of organizations struggle. I, I keep repeating the same thing, and I and until somebody proves me wrong, I'm going to believe this. But organizations, at some point, there's a big age gap between a lot of social organizations you know whether it's the knights of columbus you know whether it's the american legion whether it's the vfw whether it's you know isda whether it's not whatever it is there's this big age gap where there are all these people that joined these groups back in the 50s the 60s maybe even the 70s 80s okay got it now they're in charge they've stood this group up it's been around 30 40 50 60 70 years old and you know, you've got guys in their 70s, 80s, you know, in some cases, the groups I'm along with, they're in their 90s, and they're still active, and God bless them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, there's nobody in their 50s, 40s, and 30s. And when someone does try and come in, what happens is, that person is basically, go wait over there. I'm still here. 
I've been the president for 43 years, and, and Bob's been the vice president for 26, and Mary's been the treasurer for this, and Jane's, you know, and so then now the person sits in the corner. At some point they go, I get nothing out of this. I have no ownership in it. There's no incentive for me to stay. Oh, by the way, you're going to hit me up for dues, you know, in 12 months. Hey, I'm out of here. And so I think what you're doing is saying, listen, let's bring this thing into the, you know, the 21st century and get these folks to, I hate social media, but it is unfortunately what younger people are tied to and you cannot escape it. So getting them involved and saying, okay, why don't you take this over? Why don't you run this? How about you do this for me? Hey, can anybody do this? Then the young people are going to get a little bit more involved because a lot of them are looking for something to get involved in. They just don't have anything that really excites them. So now you give them something, but you give them ownership. And now they own it. Now if they want to do a good job, now they're both feet in. I agree a thousand percent what you just said. And I think it's this it's a very difficult process, but honoring the tradition but embracing the future. That's right. And and I agree with you. And our and our the San Francisco uh Dupala Society kind of it really is doing that. Um we had the the founder, he's you know, early eighties, been the president the whole time, and two years ago he Stepped down as president, and uh, a gentleman that's probably, uh, I don't want to offend him, but I think he's probably like in his 40s, uh, took over as president. And like I, like you know, you said, we got these young people, but we gave them stuff to do. It wasn't that, right. you know, they're feeling like they're left out, and you have to do that. What you said, you have to do, because one day that person's not going to be there. And if nobody knows what to do, that's how the business closes. Well, and, and you know what? Last last kind of thought before I turn over to Claudio. You, you also get the problem where these organizations are frozen in time. Because these older generations, this is the way it's always been. And you know, this is something that impacts businesses as well. This is the way we've always done it. And that's fine. To your point, there's a fine line between tradition and being stale. You can still have your traditions, but you don't have to be stale and how you, you know, maintain your traditions. Definitely. Definitely. You definitely honor the tradition. You honor the past. You honor the people. Those people laid the groundwork. Nobody wants to forget about them. But you have to grab what, is, what today encompasses and move forward with it. And we kind of, we really did. They, they live-streamed the mass. I mean, people in Calabria were watching Uh we did a lot of different things, and even this gentleman who was our founder, and God bless him, at first he was skeptical, and guess what? Now he looks around, the man was in tears. He was so happy the way things were going, and I think just at ease with all these younger people around him that, hey, they're doing a really good job, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm very now at ease in my mind and my heart that this thing is going to flourish after I'm gone. You know, Frankie, I'm, I just got voted uh, president of the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame here in Pittsburgh. And the main <clears throat> uh, branch is out of Chicago with Ron Onesty. I don't know if you've heard of Ron or if you've ever attended the banquet. But it's, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but there's only, I think, now three branches, including ours. Now, Steve mentioned a great point about the different age gaps. Now, we do have some people in their 70s, 60s. I'm 50, I'll be 59 in October. We have some in their 30s. So we have a very well-diverse thing. And, and again, Steve makes a great point. But um, we want to 
get even younger. We want to get people in their 20s to get involved. And I don't know, that's kind of, it's taking some work. I'll put it to you that way. I could see that. And I'm just going to tell you my philosophy with everything I do here. And, and believe me, um, I'm nobody, but I, I, I really do try to um, be involved. I try to create events, masses, movie nights, Italian community masses, uh, uh, movie nights. So we do a tombola, bingo night. Um, you know what? Um, that post on Facebook is great, but at the end of the day, it's a personal thing. Absolutely. We have to go out and almost recruit people. Yeah. We have to yeah. be Absolutely. at seeing, meet a 25-year-old, a 28-year-old, and go, hey, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. You know, just curious, you know, how did you end up coming to this thing? I do that all the time. And talking to them and saying, hey, you know what, why don't you come to our this or come to that? Because to me, if I find them at an, any kind of an Italian event and they're that young, well, already they took the first step. So now I try to, you know, engage them in conversation and, you know, in a sincere, nice way, invite them, encourage them. We have to go out and get them. They're not going to knock on our door. That's the thing. They are not going to knock on our door. We have to go get young people. We have to go get people. We have to get the community. There's so many people in the community, like, for example, Chicago. The Italian-American community is enormous. But how many people are involved in the actual little Italian-American community? Not many. There's so many more people out there. But So the way I look at it is you go out, and every time I'm out, and if you meet somebody, and they might have an Italian last name or something, hey, did you ever come? You know, we're going to have this coming up. Uh, you know, maybe uh, we could get your email. We'll put it on the list. You know, I don't want to get too personal. I don't want to get their phone numbers. But, you know, something like that. And believe it or not, this is not a quick fix. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. But in the long run, like, we start building on it. We start getting more people, and then more people leads to more people. And that's the way, that's my philosophy of doing this. I'm, uh, I'm involved with the Italian Cultural Center we have here in Chicago. I'm a volunteer, and we have a library. We have about seven museums, um, and we, the volunteers, we do everything. We do everything from, you know, clean the bathrooms to paint to plaster to archive to conduct interviews to create events to keep things going. And we're always trying to build on our email list and invite more people to the things we have. And you know what? I am seeing, talking positive, I'm seeing a positive uh, 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 impact on this. I really am. We've been doing some cultural events. We've been getting lots of people. Let me tell you something about the Italian-American community. Unless there's food involved or perhaps some <laughs> somewhat famous person, they don't come out. They don't come. That's so right. So for us to have hundreds of people come to us, we had an open house at this Italian um, cultural center because we had volunteers working on the Italians in Chicago Museum. Uh, and they worked on it for two years. And we did all these things in this building, and we had this open house. And we got a lot of people. Because I really believe you treat people good, they're going to respond. So that's what we're trying to do, and, and I, I, I see a positive, uh, like I said, a positive impact coming from it, and we got to keep going forward with it and try to make a difference. 
All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we want to remind everybody, if you missed our show, Italian Impact Weekly, on uh, WKHB Radio at 6.20 a.m., 102.1 FM, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., you can check us out on ItalianImpactWeekly.com. Our new show, Talking Business and Life, with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Check that show out at CRSMMedia.com. We also have something called Empire Media Ventures on that site where you can host your own podcast. Please get in touch with us for that. We promise you, you will definitely enjoy that. We'll try to help you out every which way possible. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that at ClaudioRelsano.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and the Barnes and & Noble in Robinson Township, and JohnMelvinPublishing.com. The Boxing Authority is Boxing's Best TV Show with Lou Dupree Jr., Smoking Jim Frazier, and myself. You can check us out at WBC dot vivetv.network and my show the claudio relsano show you can listen to that show at claudiorelsano.com i've had great guests such as mario andretti vince papali ken griffey senior rocky blyer jerry cooney and the and another show that i do pennsylvania basketball coaches association which will be on crsmmedia.com i've interviewed some great uh, basketball people from uh, the pennsylvania Pennsylvania area. So an upcoming guest on Italian Impact Weekly will be Vince Papali, the subject of the movie Invincible. Um, we are in former Philadelphia Eagle. We are waiting to hear back from him to nail down a date. And you can, again, listen to archives at ItalianImpactWeekly.com, where we have had Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, and a lot of other great guests. So make sure you tune in. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. All right, welcome back. And we have Frankie D. Frankie, the host of a great podcast. Um, tell us about some of your guests that you've had on and maybe even a, a dream guest that you haven't had on just yet. Well, uh, so the podcast, I started it in 2013, and um, I kind of believe it was the very first Italian American podcast. And so we've been going strong for 10 years. And uh, some of them that, you know, there, there's so many, but some of them I, I jotted down uh, that I thought were, were very interesting. Um, I interviewed a gentleman out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, Al Santillo, who has this small pizzeria with the oven being like 118 years old or lot older. And he's such a character and the pizza was phenomenal. I actually went there once and a uh, very interesting guy. Uh, interviewed uh, a girl out of New York, Alexis Carad Tracy, who is in charge of this Italian mass project, younger girl. I, I don't even know if she was 30 and she's an attorney and uh, 
just being young and anything to do with the church is amazing in itself, the way things are going. So I love this. You talk about positive. Uh, I love what the work this girl is doing. Um, I love interviewing Italian-American authors, and one in particular, uh, a gentleman named Louis Rosati, who wrote The Boy in Abruzzo. Uh, very interesting. I got to, uh, let's see if you're a big baseball fan from back in the day. I interviewed a gentleman named Carmen Fanzo. Oh, uh, Chicago Cubs. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, the Chicago <clears throat> Cubs back in the early 70s. Yeah, I still remember. Uh, his, I can picture his baseball card. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got very fortunate to do an interview with him. He's living out in California, and he was part of a game that, I don't know if you recall, a pitcher named Milt Pappas. Sure, Milt Pappas. Pitched no-hitter for the Cubs, yeah. Should have been a perfect game. Mm-hmm. He got screwed royally. It was the ninth inning, one out, perfect game. And it was like he had, um, I think it was like a uh, two strikes and a ball count. And the next three pitches, two of them being like literally a half, a, a quarter of an inch from the strike zone, and the umpire called them all balls. Yep. And the guy was going nuts, and he somehow, thank God, finished and got the no-hitter. Uh, the last out of the game was recorded by Carmen Fanzone. Now, that I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yes. It was in, <clears throat> I want to say, September of 72. Yeah, a lot of uh, real interesting. You know, I just love talking to these people and learning about them and documenting these stories. And then about, um, I don't remember how many years ago, maybe seven years ago, my son says, you know, you should do, like, short videos. And I'm not technological at all, but thank God he is, and he helps me a ton with this, uh, with the, with everything, with my website and all the shows. I started doing these things. We call them Italian American moments. They're basically like a minute video, and they're about an invention or a story or any reason to be proud. Um, for example, some of the more recent ones, I did uh, a gentleman, uh, Silvio Gattaniga. It got Zaniga designed the World Cup trophy. The trophy that they used for the World Cup was designed by this man in Italy. Uh, Frank Dorsa literally invented Ego frozen waffles. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't know that. And I do like Ego frozen waffles. <laughs> Me too. Adriana Catalotti was the voice of Snow White, Disney's first animated film. Uh, Father Vincent Capodano was a... Um, uh, was a Medal of Honor recipient that got literally killed in battle. And uh, a lot of people now are trying to get a, a, a stamp in his honor. Uh, and then the last one I want to bring up, it was moment one, 103. Are you both familiar with the Watchtowers in L.A.? Yeah. yeah. Do you know, like, the, the story of it, though? I've just seen a million pictures of them. and I, No, no, no. I've seen a million pictures, okay. and I've, I lived in San Diego for a while. But I don't know the history of them, other than in our well, watch. Well, real quick, uh, some of the volunteers uh, actually uh, uh, informed me of this. And when I started researching, I was, like, giddy to do this moment. So this short, little Italian immigrant um, ends up buying this little bit of property in Watts. And he was, a like, a tile guy by trade. And he wanted to do something big. So for the course of, uh, I think it was 31 years, Every day, he worked with no help at all, with no ladders, with no power equipment, with like five different things, like a pick and a shovel and, and a bucket, and he would find garbage 
and he built the Watts Towers, which there's numerous towers. The highest one's 100 feet. He didn't have a ladder. He didn't have scaffolding. He would, he would build, climb up, wait till it dried, climb it up, and build the next section. He did this over 30 years by himself. And then he just left it. And the, uh, the city wanted kind of to knock it down. So they went there and they tested it. They said, oh, this isn't safe. It was built like a rock, like a rock, like the Rock of Gibraltar was built. And that has remained and become an inspiration to many people in the arts, in the area. And what an accomplishment from this man. His name was uh, Sabato Rodia, but he kind of went by Simon Rodia. So stories like that, which here I'm a guy that's so in tune with all this stuff. I mean, I receive Italian-American newspapers and magazines, and I'm constantly looking at things, and people are sending me stuff. I never heard of that. I was blown away. I never heard of it, never knew. I didn't even know Watts Towers of it. So stuff like that really makes me happy, and it makes me happy to do it, to document. And what my hopes is when I put it out there on social media, that somebody sees it, and goes, wow, that's great. I didn't know that. And, you know, buys into things and starts to want to learn more. And, you know, those are documentaries and movies waiting to happen. And to maybe offset all these mob movies, some of our more, you know, successful and influential producers, directors, and actors and actresses, maybe would say, hey, let's make a, a, a film about this guy. And that way, people could go and see these films and say, hey, they're not just mobsters anymore. You know what I mean? This is the way to offset that. So I'm trying to do my little part, and I believe me from my heart, I'm trying to do it, and I'm hoping that it, it maybe trickles down, but also trickles up. Well, you're planting seeds. I, I mean, yes, no, exactly. you're planting seeds, written, and that's huge. Right. Yes, I have written these three children's books. I don't know how I got into that, but I have. Small, small books um, that have like an Italian flavor, like a little introduction to maybe some cultural things, maybe learning something about Italy, and even learning words, okay, that I'm proud of. And, and I just want to keep further putting it out there. Like you said, Steve, positivity, positivity. Right. Keep putting it out there and hopes that they, they grab a bite to it. So it's funny you say that because uh, so I went to the ISDA convention this last week and you know the the Russo brothers um, they're the sons of uh, Basil Russo who's the president of the ISDA you know and they've got their their film competition every year where they try and you know give X amount of dollars to aspiring you know Italian producers directors so basically younger folks that are you know they give you a couple thousand dollars to go make a little short documentary on something that shows the positive pro Italian. But, you know, you said something. There, there are a lot of good, I'm going to call them plots. There's a lot of good plots that are out there. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, Hollywood won't touch it. They just keep making, you know, how many, I mean, it's like how many Marvel movies do we need? I mean, and then the reboots. And to your point, there are a lot of really cool stories that a good producer, director, and you wouldn't have to make up a plot or a script almost. It's just, they're just there. These little stories are there. And like you said, they, instead it's going to be, you know, oh, the, the, the Lucchese crime family will be the bad guys or, you know, or Gambinos or whoever. It's like, yeah, okay. Look, That's you know. why, if I could be totally honest, this is the part sometimes with our entire Italian American community I have a little problem with because we have people that are like multi, multi, multi million to billionaires in the industry, forget Hollywood. Right. Just make them. 
make these films, make a documentary, make a short film about A.P. Giannini, responsible for modern banking, this gentleman of Watts Howard, and there's many, many more. Just make them, put them out there so people, the American public, as well as our own Italian-American people, young people, can see these great things and focus less on the other things. And I think it will just be a great, great thing. And, you know, we, you know, the way I look at this, we, we, uh, we get mad, we get offended, we get put down, and we do. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're our own worst enemy. We need to look in the mirror. The reason that they stomp on us in Chicago, we just had it recently with an alderman, with the mayor. Uh, they can continuously do it unless we start doing alternative things, okay? We can't make Hollywood make movies that don't show us in gangster life or buffoon life. But we could do our own. That's the part I get a little upset with. We have the means to do this. I see a lot of these people receiving those awards that we talked about earlier, and partially that's why I don't want any awards. I just want to do. I don't need the award. I need for us to keep going forward. I'm sorry. Do I sound like a crazy man? No, not at all. By by the way, I want to bring something uh, up. Now, you performed at the Italian American Theater of Chicago. Is that correct? Yes, in a very, I'm not a... Uh, oh, no, no, it's okay. No, Again. Uh, no, we did, uh, she, uh, the lady who runs it, I think she did like a contest, like to write a screenplay. So the gentleman who won, it was about the um, Sacco and Vanzetti, uh, the famous story. And she asked me to be in it. It was, it was a reading, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't an actual, okay. like... You know, so we did it a couple times. Uh, we actually uh, did it at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and we did it at Loyola University in Chicago. It was very nice, and I was, you know, proud to be in it. And like I always say to everybody in our Italian American community, they ask me something, you think I can help? I'm there. You got me. If you knew me, I'm not just talking. I, I believe me. I pride myself on that. I will give you my time, my effort, my whatever you want for me that you think is going to help. Okay, I don't think I'm that great at anything, but if you think I can help, I'm there for you. So that's what we, I think we got to do. What are your goals now, <clears throat> excuse me, for your podcast? What level would you like to take it to? And not only take it to, be specific. What would you like uh, to, for your audience to get out of your podcast? Well, you know, you asked me earlier about a team guest and you know, I don't even know if I have one. And I'm, you know, I'm a funny guy. Now, obviously, I don't have the connections of some of these other groups and some of these other podcasts. I don't have the connections. I don't have the money. But um, if I attempt to, like, interview somebody and they don't get back to me, they blow me off. You know, when I look at it, it wasn't meant to be. That's okay. I don't want anybody having to get to somebody to say, hey, do this guy. No, it's okay. This isn't my livelihood. I'm not, you know, we're not going to not have dinner tomorrow because of it. I don't make anything out of it. I lose money on it, to be honest. I do it because I love it. So the, 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 the great interview is a story that got to be told. A story that we need to be told that, that is, an, is significant in some capacity to Italian-Americans, to Italians, to both, to that individual. That's what I really love to do. I really love to do these Italian-American moments because these are important things that I always say, you're going to learn about this at school? Hell no. You're going to learn about this in, in, you know, on TV? Hell no. 
So once again, if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Nobody's going to brag about the Watchtower, about AP Janini, about uh, I interviewed a gentleman that uh, uh, the interviews moments, all of it. Nobody's going to do it unless we do it. So I'm more than happy to do it. And I started liking these books because talk about hit them young. They're, they're for little children. They're for, you know, the two-year-old, the three-year-old, the, the six-year-old. That's, I like that. And I'm going to get it more and more Italian culturally and language into these books because we got to have that. we got to have that, and we got to have that available for all these generations of today and the next one. Well, not only are they not going to do it, and you, and you kind of nailed it there, but the only holiday that's even kind of remotely associated with Italians is Columbus Day, and they're taking that away and tearing statues down, and you got to fight like heck just to keep one day of the year to remember stuff. And, and again, if to your point, Frankie, if people understood why that holiday exists instead of reading, you know, some history book that was written in the 60s that decided to re-describe, you know, Christopher Columbus, um, not factually correct. And unfortunately, that book is still used in a lot of colleges and universities. If they understood the why Christopher Columbus, why that holiday, maybe they'd be a little less to tear it down. But again, you've got a lot of people out there, very powerful people with a vowel at the end of their name that aren't really doing much about it. And that's very frustrating. And along with other things, you know, right. along with positive things, along with, you know, counteracting this Hollywood thing. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do. And you know what gets me at the end of the day? I sit here sometimes and I go, maybe it's you. Maybe you want that place. But then I think to myself, son of a gun, we come from creators of civilization, of almost every industry that there is. So am I crazy? I don't think so. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I mean, you know, from building, from architecture, from plumbing, from baking, from law, from courts, from uh, food, from the fork, the fork itself we invented, uh, to everything. You know, uh, my 100th episode was a gentleman named Don Fiore. He is a walking brainiac of information, and it was about a gentleman named Francesco de Pinedo, who was prior to Italo Balbo. And in those decades, the Italians in Italy were the rulers of aviation, of the records, of building planes. They were, the, they were it for the world, okay? And I was fortunate to do an interview about this because, like I said, this man is just full of this information, okay? Most of the times with a podcast, it's like I, these people are so great. And it's like I introduce them and then go ahead, talk. I don't, nobody wants to hear me talk. I want to hear you talk. Because I'm going to learn, and we're all going to learn, and it's, it's all great stuff. The irony, Frankie, is that's why we're letting you talk, because we want to hear you talk. Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> where where can uh, folks go to listen to your podcast? How can they get a hold of this? Okay, so I my website is italianamericanlife.com, a real simple name, italianamericanlife.com. On the website, you will have all of the podcasts. I have done... About 111 or so, and I want to say four of them were completely in Italian due to the fact that whoever I interviewed probably didn't speak English, so we had to do them in Italian, okay? Um, all of my Italian-American moments will be on there. My books, how to get them, are on there. Uh, another quickie thing, if I may add, uh, about that 10 years ago, uh, one of another Italian club had closed. And they used to do uh, a dinner once a month. So 
I'm the type of guy like, wait, why can't we do it? So I went to a restaurant, talked to the guy, set up a menu, set up a price. We started doing these things. I called it Little Italy Chinetta. Chinetta means like little dinner, okay? And from that, we're still doing them 10 years later. You, I mean, it's not just dinner. Every time I promote upcoming events, you can see I got a big mouth. I promote upcoming events. I bring all these magazines and these newspapers, right? This crap. They say, please, anyone, take them. Take them. I want you to get interested. We also have about five or six different times had raffles strictly to give to Italian causes. Okay, we have given to one of the feast bands that we have. That, you know those bands that play in the religious professions? Yep. They needed some equipment. We had a raffle to give them the money. Uh, strictly Italian causes. And now recently, I started giving plaques as a surprise. People that are coming to the dinner that just give up their time and are good people and add to the Italian community, American community. Not necessarily the guy that's the CEO of the company or the guy who's been the man of the year 22 times, but somebody that I see with my own eyes and they're showing up. Hey, can you help us out? Davos, you got it. Hey, can you, you know, do this? You got it. And they just keep doing stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I like this. I like giving this little plaque and honoring people. And it's a surprise. I just make sure they're coming or I tell their friend, like, hey, I'm going to give this to Joe. You make sure he gets there that night. And they're so dumbfounded. I love that. That 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 turns me on. If I could say that, that's kind of crazy. But I love that. I love doing that to honor these regular people. You know what? With all those big shots, they're more in the uh, the view of the eye. But I always say it: there's a lot more of us than there are of them. There's a lot of regular people out there. That's the people we got to get to to get involved in this stuff and to come to stuff and to honor. Frankie, you know, this hour went really quick. My mom used to say, never speak from the neck up, speak from the heart up. And you certainly do with a ton of passion. We appreciate it. Keep doing the great work uh, that you're doing. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the show. And maybe we can be on a guest on your show. Well, I haven't been on a show on, yeah, on you your got, show yet. Got to get Claudio. <clears throat> one of these days. Steve, Claudio, thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope it went good. I sometimes it was great. I get so into this that sometimes I talk a little. No, no, it was great. Very passionate. Like you say well, thank we you thank so you. Much. We thank you. Thanks, Frankie D. Again, folks, that's Frankie D., who's the uh, host of Keeping It Real with Frankie D., a great podcast. His last episode is especially well, not just because I'm on it. Well, it's because I'm on it. <laughs> but again, you can check out all of his podcasts, his shorts, his uh, uh, children's books, everything on ItalianAmericanLife.com. That's ItalianAmericanLife.com. And again, with Frankie D. Frankie D., thank you very much for joining us. And folks, we want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thank we you do appreciate in. you take time out of your schedule to listen to us. Folks that are listening to us on all the streaming services, we want to thank you. Please like or subscribe, though. We want to get our viewership up so that we can start popping up on front. When people start typing in, searching for something Italian, Italian Weekly, Italian Impact Weekly starts coming up a little bit ahead of all the other ones that are just sitting out there. Again, like, like Frankie said, you know, we're not trying to make a million bucks off this. We would like to, and if we ever do, great. But the truth of the matter is we do this because it's a passion. And that's how we know we're going to be successful because we're not looking at our checkbook to know if we're successful. We're looking at the fact that you're listening, and we hope that we're making a very positive impact in your life, just in general, whether you're Italian or not. And we hope we're showing you that there is an entirely different side of the Italian community that gets lost. There's a lot of history that gets lost. A lot of Americans don't even know their own history. 
yet alone the impact that Italian Americans have made to American history. So we do thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to us, giving us time. And as always, we thank our sponsors. Without them, we couldn't be paying for the airtime. So thank you very much. Claudio, as always, the last word, sir. Thank you to the listeners. Listeners, and as always, thank you, Mom and Pop, Olindo and Ida Relsano. Thank you all.